Thank you. Would you mind grabbing my stool for me? Thank you, Bridget. Bridget, you're so fun. Um, it's also fun to have Tim Timmons here this morning, isn't it? Thank you. He's a good buddy of mine, and I love uh, being able to have him here. Um, what else is fun? I've got some good friends from out of town. Chad and Emily are in town, and they were visiting. Uh, they are from the south, and um, they didn't realize that when you go to the beach when it's cloudy, that the clouds don't remain all day, uh, and that it's still a good idea to put on a little, you know? <clears throat> so I had to introduce them to aloe vera yesterday, and, and uh, aloe is a friend of all of ours, though. It's a good thing. Um, what last week we had Mother's Day. It was so great to celebrate you moms. We really like want you to have genuinely felt, I've heard from many of you that you did, that we cared and that we are grateful. And, you know, it's already like back to normal, like taking mom for granted this week maybe for some of you. But, but for that moment in time, was it glorious? We, we just wanted to honor you and, uh, and let you know how much we love you. And dads, it's not just Mother's Day. We do it right on Father's Day. Uh, I, I will not guarantee you large quantities of bacon, um, but I will not not guarantee bacon on Father's Day, too, all right? Um, in the realm of not so fun, uh, my little precious 15-month-old, he's like stretching out now, uh, baby Jack has mono. What the heck is that about? How does a kid get mono? Uh, so he's not here. He's quarantined uh, and... Uh, so as not to get anyone else sick. But I had mono when I was in high school, which is the kissing disease, so obviously uh, <clears throat> I uh, put my mouth around the water fountain. And, and, uh, and I learned my lesson. I don't, I don't do that anymore. <clears throat> but mono, these, we're going to be talking about things that are contagious today. And uh, we're, we're in this series uh, called What If, where we're saying, what if the things that Jesus taught were actually true? What if he really was the living God in skin? What if he did live and die on a cross and, like Tim was saying, like resurrect, come back to life? And what if his spirit is available not only to forgive your sins but to give you real and meaningful and abundant life? What are the implications of that? And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, and I want to uh, give you a little bit of a background reminder. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but for those of you who missed, I want you to know that historically in that first century's time, young boys and girls were raised to follow rabbis. They were prepared and groomed from a young age to know their Bible, their Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And so they lived and breathed it, and their parents talked about it all the time, and they had like, like primary school and secondary school for Bible study, and they were trying to memorize those huge books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They were trying to memorize those texts as kids. They took it really, really seriously because they thought that if they did so, that they would have a rabbi who was like the most prestigious guy in town who would come up to them after secondary school and would choose them to come and follow. But the thing was, the rabbis only chose the best and the brightest. And so there were a lot of people that got left behind. And, and if you weren't chosen to come and follow, literally, as they say, in the dust of the rabbi, because they would just try to get that close. If you weren't chosen, you were told to go and Pursue the family trade, which is like, thanks for 
plan. Thanks for trying, but you know, you didn't make the cut. Go fish or something. And so that was the day, that was the culture. And, and, and so what we're going to see here is there's this guy named Levi, and he had been rejected. He failed rabbi school. He was a rabbi school dropout. And so, and so he was sent and said, hey, hey, this isn't going to work out for you. Why don't you go and try something, try your hand at something else? And so he became a tax collector. You also need to know that in that day, the tax collectors were like, the worst of society, because not only were they rabbi school dropouts, but they, they went and partnered with the enemy, with Rome, who was charging these like ridiculous taxes. We're talking like in a 70% range. And then not only that, but they, they padded it a little bit more and they charged some on top of that, of their own friends and family, former friends. And, and, the, and the Jewish people in the community couldn't stand these tax collectors because they took whatever they could to line their own pockets. If you were good at tax collecting, you were deceitful, and you tried to exact as much money as you could from your fellow people in the community, and they were not loved. So Jesus, chapter 5, verse 27, went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax collector booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed. Two things. Tax collector, despicable. People looking. No one wanted to see, notice, relate to a tax collector. Right? They were just, they only wanted to see him to like snarl at him and, you know, hate him with their eyes. And despicable Lee is what I termed this message because because he was hated. You just imagine him in his little tax collector booth with his little yellow minions running around like, give me your money, give me your money, give me your money. Right? He was despised. But Jesus notices him. Another translation literally says, Jesus noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting there. So Jesus wasn't just about his God business on his way to the, to the cross and doing his miracle things. And with this, you know, this plan of, of gloriousness, look at me, I'm God. Jesus noticed people along his journey. And not famous people, not loved people, not the not this cultural elite. He noticed the outsider, the outcast, the despicable one. And he saw something, obviously, in Levi. And he says, I choose you to come and follow me. Levi, who had, who had already been passed over by the other rabbis of his day when he was a kid, Levi, who then didn't go do a respectable trade, he went and partnered with the mob to take more money from his community, that Levi. And Jesus notices and sees him and says, come and follow me. Just a quick question for you to consider this morning. Are you someone who notices? Are you someone who sees the potential in other people? Or do you, like many of us, just kind of see the, the social stigmas and class systems and, and how people fit in the view of culture? Or are you, are you going at such a pace where you don't even see the outsider. You don't even see the hurting person, the sick person, the lost person, the lonely person, the person that's out on their own and doesn't fit. Jesus sees, and he sees you. 
Have you ever felt the sense that God has your number? Like he's been hunting you down. Like he sent somebody into your life to get your attention. The circumstances of life have been arranged in such a way where you just can't deny it anymore. God is getting my attention. God wants me to do something. God sees something in me. He's choosing me. Someone's been praying for you for years. Someone just kept inviting you to come to church time and time again, and finally you just, you just couldn't resist anymore. You went through pain and hardship and heartache, and then now you're on the other side of it, and you see that God was steering you and drawing you to himself because he sees you. He notices you. He knows you. And you might have felt like a despicable person. You might have felt like the outsider that no one cared about. But you're here this morning because Jesus sees you and sees something in you and is drawing you and inviting you to come and follow. And Levi, you'll have the, the same choice as kind of how to respond. Levi responds in a way of saying, I'm all in. I'm going to leave my, my, my table and my minions. I'm going I'm I'm to leave this vocation. I'm going to leave this money. I'm going to leave this status. I'm going to leave behind this reputation. I'm not going to care what people think. I'm going to follow this God because he's choosing me. How could I not? I've been, I've been passed over my whole life and judged my whole life, and yet the God of the universe and skin is looking at me and saying, me? How can I not follow this God? I'm all in. I'll, I'll leave behind this past way of doing things. I'll leave behind the comfort, the stability, the thing that I know. I'm willing to leave all that behind because you're saying, come. And I will. I will follow you because, friends, Jesus is compelling. There's something about him that is just compelling. If your Jesus is just this kind of like sterile flannel graph, cheesy Christian t-shirt Jesus, you're missing it. He's the most compelling character in the history of mankind, in the history of the universe. He drew people in like you can't even imagine. And this guy that thought he had, he was like the furthest out from anything spiritual or religious, when he gets the invitation, it's a no-brainer. I am in. Jesus is compelling. Verse 29, after Levi goes and follows Jesus, he, Jesus actually changes his name and calls him Matthew. Matthew ended up writing the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. So clearly, Jesus saw great things in this man. So he has his life transformed in some way, and then the next thing he does is he throws a party. Verse 29, then Levi, Matthew, held a great banquet, read party, for Jesus at his own house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others, kind of like tax collectors, like outsiders, like people out there, those kind of people, were there and they were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the religious people who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? 
So you have this guy, Levi, who's had his life radically changed, and, and Jesus saw something in me, and it's beginning to be realized, and his life is being transformed, and his, the next thing he wants to do is throw a party and invite his friends, because who wouldn't want to have this happen to them? Who wouldn't want to be exposed to this God who redeems, who, who, who believes in me and uses me? I just want you to get a glimpse of Jesus, Levi would say. And so he throws his party, and people come, but then you got the religious leaders who see that, and they're like, uh-uh, what is this? And they go to the disciples, and they're like, why does your guy hang out with those kinds of people? We're religious people. We spend our whole lives trying to, 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 to manage and not sin and not be around dirt and filth and be corrupted by this world, and yet, and yet your leader, this popular guy that everyone seems to love, he just throws himself in the mix. He's having a beer with that guy. You see that? Do you see what's happening here? There is this draw, not just those religious leaders in in that time, but religious people in our time. There's this draw. There's this pull. There's this kind of subtle slide where the longer that you do the church thing, the more you think you know your Bible, the more there's, there's this subtle thing that happens because there's an enemy of God and he doesn't give up and he's always trying to kind of mess us up. And one of the ways that he messes us up is by making us religious and there's this subtle slide toward separating ourselves and keeping those kinds of people at arm's length. Well-meaning Christians or well-meaning people of faith can sometimes slip into this thing where we feel like we have to isolate ourselves from the world, from people that do bad things, from people that live crazy because we don't want to be contaminated because after all, Levi is contagious. He's, he's a mess. He's making bad decisions. I don't want, I don't want my kids around that. I, don't, I can't have that near me. I don't want to be that kind of a person. And we get it because we, we start to isolate and just hang out with people that believe the exact same things as us because we, no one wants to feel rejected and no one, no one wants to feel judged or like they're feeling judged or, or no one wants to be the weird one in social circles or at work. And so maybe we don't talk about the faith or maybe we just talk with people that have the same faith as us and we slowly begin to isolate and ostracize and push people away. And so the religious people, like, you know, there's a temptation for us to kind of become, say, why does he eat with those kinds of people? Why does he go to that bar? Why, why would he play volleyball with that crowd? Why does he interact with those people at work? Doesn't he know what they do? Doesn't he know who they are? They're contagious. They're sick. They're wrong. Stay away because you might get what they have. Now, there's a few reasons why religious types of people think that way. First is the biblical issue because you look at verses in the Bible and and, and you can kind of contort them into justifying this position. Leviticus 19.2 says, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy, which the word literally means set apart. Be set apart. You should be different than the rest of the world. But set apart, friends, means that we're allowing God to transform us from the inside out. Set apart is about being transformed. It's about transformation, not isolation. 
Be set apart. Another issue is a spiritual issue. Look at Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now look, leave that verse up there just for a second. There's a difference between being with and being in step with. There's a difference between being with and among and being in step with. In step with is like being yoked. There's another word in scripture they use called yoked, which is just like a farming term where they would put this wooden harness on two oxen to keep them in line so that they would walk together, so that they would pull together, so that they would work together and go in the same direction. They would strap this thing on so they couldn't go in different ways, and they would be yoked. They would be in step with pulling in the same direction. So that suggests that your priorities are the same and that your purpose is the same. And so Jesus would say, the scripture would say, don't don't be yoked with, don't be in step with going in the same direction with the same priorities and purposes, but be with. Be with. Don't be in step with, but be with. Don't run from, don't isolate, don't give the stiff arm, don't only hang out with people who believe the same thing as you because they've got some kind of spiritual cooties, be with. The last reason that religious people kind of come up with is a reputation. 1 Corinthians 15 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Again, this idea of being misled or pulled off course, being yoked with those kinds of people. It's the same idea. One of the tactics that the enemy uses to convince followers of Jesus that they're They can't go Jesus' way and be with other people who aren't, and it's simply not true. So they have, religious people, three options in how they deal with people who are not like them and don't believe the same things. You can can quarantine the sick people, right? Just put them all together. You keep, like, like, uh, what was that movie, The the Village? Was that in my Shyamalan? And so they go and have their own little established community in the woods, right? We're just going to do our thing, and we're we're not going to interact with anybody who's not like us, and we're just going to be Puritans, and we're going to just do our thing. That's one way. You can quarantine the bad and and, and do that. Or you can be infected by the bad just by, ah, oh, I'm just going to, you know, can't beat them, join them. I'm just going to do the thing. Or you can choose Jesus' path, which is restoration. So Jesus invites, he's with, and he heals, and he restores, and he transforms, and he changes people's lives and lets them in on who he's always intended them to be. And there's no one that doesn't want that. And the result, when Levi leaves everything and follows this Jesus who sees something in him and invites him in, is that Levi actually then does become contagious. It's infectious. Because this Jesus who compels him, he just wants other people to know about it. And so he throws a party. And because he's a good party thrower, all his buddies want to show up. 
And he invites Jesus because he just wants all his buddies to get a glimpse of this Jesus, this hope that he's found. That even though he was a rabbi school dropout, that he's found new purpose. And he's not the despicable Lee character that he once was. He's got new hope. He's got new meaning. He doesn't need all that money because he's, he's got purpose. And he's got a call. And he's got, he's got passion for life. He knows who he is now. And it's the God of the universe who designed him and created him and designed all his friends and created them. And he just wants them to connect. If you could just see and know this Jesus, you would come alive too. I just want you to be around where he is. And so Levi went from the not so good contagious to the really good contagious. It's kind of like skinny jeans. <laughs> Obviously. When I first saw like teenage boys wearing girls' jeans, I thought this is the worst fashion faux pas I have ever seen. When we look back on this in like 20 years, it's going to be beyond embarrassing. And then you look at all of our musicians. <laughs> and they're cooler than me, so what do I know? <laughs> a, contagious is, I guess, what I was talking about there. Contagious things. <laughs> What if we were contagious people? What if we were contagious people that were so compelled by our encounter with Jesus, by what he sees in us, by the new life that he's offering us, that we just can't help but spread that healing virus, that we just want other people to know, that we're throwing parties not, not to convert people, but just to compel people, just because we want this contagious love to spread. Because how could we not, when we've encountered this generous God, who, take, who took us from despicable people and gave us new purpose and meaning in life. How can we not? What if that was you? What if that was us? Why wouldn't we want to be that church, those people? What if instead of spreading mono, we spread meaning? What if... Instead of judgment and comparison, we infected this community with care. You want to know how to be contagious? It's really simple. I, I, I've put it on your outline, and, and it's, it might seem like an oversimplification, but it is actually this simple. Step one, be compelled by Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 says, if we are out of our minds... As some say that we are, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves and do their own thing, but for him who died for them and was raised again. In other words, if you think we're crazy, just chalk it up to us trying to be faithful to God. But maybe if there's something in this for you, if we have this party and you get a glimpse of the Jesus that we've invited with us, then, then it's for you. Because it could change everything. And you could know the hope that we have, and you could know the love that we have. Because the same God that lived and, had, and wore skin for a little while, he did die. And he did raise from the dead. And that's why we're, we're crazy. We believe a weird thing like that. But if it's true, then we're throwing parties and it's for you. It's for your sake because you want to know this God. 
And if you, friends, if you're here and you're like, I'm not sure that I've been compelled. Maybe I just do religious things out of routine because I grew up that way or because I'm trying to avoid looking another way. But I'm not sure if it's a compelling love that drives me. You need to meet the real Jesus. It's not a religious Jesus. It's not a little boxed-in Jesus. It's not maybe what you grew up thinking he was. When you do encounter him, things change. You become compelled and then compelling. My friend Tim Timmons is one of the most compelling people that I know. Tim lives with terminal cancer. That's his story. And luckily, it's a really slow-moving cancer. And hopefully and probably, he'll be with us a long time. But he lives every day compelled by Jesus, contagious, because he didn't know how many days he's got. And I want to be more like that. Because he's come face to face with this Jesus who even in spite of a really crappy diagnosis, it doesn't matter to him because he knows the bigger story. Because of the hope and the purpose and the meaning that this God brings him. And that's all we want to tell other people. Not that they have to live by a certain set of a script of do's and don'ts. That they can be compelled into knowing this generous God, maybe he's compelling you today. Step one, be compelled by Jesus. Step two, throw good parties. <laughs> it's been said that followers of Jesus will change their community when they throw the best parties in the community. What do you think we do here on Sundays? We're just trying to have a party, a celebration of how good God is. That's what we do. And that's what you can do all through the week. You'd be like, oh, no, I'm shy. I'm reserved. I don't, I don't. That's okay. Partner up with someone who's a little bit more whatever and like just invite people around. It's just a matter of being like, engaged in interacting with other people and letting them get a glimpse of this Jesus. You throw a party, you invite your friends, you invite Jesus, you see what happens. You have a good time. And some of you are going to be like getting with your spouse afterwards or your friend that you threw the party with. You're like, could you believe, could you believe that so-and-so came? They came. Could you believe how much they cost all night long? That was amazing. I've never heard that quantity before stringed together in such a way. But could you believe that they asked us to pray for him afterwards? Can you believe that they finally came to church after all this time? Can you believe what God did when we did that? And you'll find that people, when they see that you're safe, when they see that you just want to spread love and be compelling, that they will seek you out. And you're not the weird person that's trying to convert. You're just compelling. Be compelled by Jesus. 
throw great parties, and then you enter into the mission of Jesus. Back to our story. The religious people are there, and they're grumbling and complaining and saying, why does this guy eat with those kinds of people? And is he a little bit tipsy? I mean, let's go and like do a breathalyzer check, because this, I mean, how could this, he's in there, uh, and Jesus looks at them very, you know, obviously sober-minded and says, it is not the healthy people who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Interesting thing is that those religious people were just, were just as sick as everybody else. They were just in denial. They just had a great pharmaceutical regimen that masked their symptoms and they tried to put this image and live a certain way because that's, what, that's all that they knew. And in doing so, they missed out on their healing, and they missed out on all the parties, too. Because we're all the same. We're all sick. And we just get to be the ones that have found the doctor and are saying, let me bring you to the doctor. It gets so much better than this. I, I wanted to take all the uh, guesswork out of it. So on your outline, I gave you some strategies and opportunities for being con- contagious. You can double and triple my list here, but if you golf, take people golfing with you that you just want to be a compelling person around. Make the most of holidays and invite people around. Do coffee with people, apparently seven times like Bridget. <laughs> If you're getting baptized, invite your friends and family. Let them see that symbolic transformation in play. Have dinner parties. Work out with other people. Let your life intersect. Make a big deal out of sporting events when you can. Watch games together. Let that be a fun thing. Pray and invite Jesus to come and just see what happens. Kids' activities, adventures, beach days, serving together. I don't know. Just, just do stuff and invite others around you. I remember when I was in college, it was awkward because the only kind of parties that they threw in college involved red cups. And I, I felt awkward with a red cup in my hand because I didn't really like the taste of beer. And so it was just phony. And so um, I didn't really, you know, have a lot of like social credibility at those events. But what some of my friends did, because we were at SC, we would, we would take some people to Skid Row just once in a while. And we would hand out clothes and blankets and food and stuff like that. And, and people would, you know, that weren't following Jesus, but they know that that's a nice thing to do. So they would come. And then afterwards, we'd go to, like, you know, Jerry's Famous Deli or Diddy Reese or someplace in L.A. like that. And we would have a lot of fun. And we would, my friends were funny, and we would do cool stuff. And our other friends who were just being exposed to this kind of thing for the first time would think, Thursday night, Red Cup party and not being cared about by the person the next morning, uh, or all this good that I just did for these people who were down and out, and we also had a lot of fun afterwards, and it was just this stark contrast, and more and more people started hanging out and coming to this group. You have that effect, too. It doesn't have to be about converting and, and having kind of this thing figured out or knowing all the right Bible verses to share. Be compelled by Jesus and be contagious because we serve a generous God. He has chosen you and you get to point other people to him too. 
You don't have to be Gatsby, you know, to throw good parties. Just do whatever it is that you can do. And we will be party people. On your outline, I've shown you uh, two words. You got the who and you got the what. I want you just to take a minute, even right now, and make an invite list. Write down names of people as God prompts you that you know you need to invite around you. Have a dinner party, your next thing that you're doing. Who can you bring? Who can you invite? And then what are you going to do? What is that going to look like? When are you going to do it? Friends, this is who this community is. This is who we are. We are those who have been chosen by this generous God, and we just want his love to be contagious. And why wouldn't we want to celebrate that all the time? God, make us people who are moved and compelled by your spirit, your love, and we can't help but say, hey, we're all in And we want to be the contagious people that invite others in too. We want to enjoy this generous life that you have given in Jesus' name. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Do you hear it actually singing? Open prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well, in my soul. Oh, spring up, oh well, and make me whole. Oh, spring up, oh well, and give to me that life. Abundantly, it should say that compelling life abundantly. I've got a river of life flowing out of me, makes a lane to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well, in my soul. Spring up, oh well, and make me whole. Spring up, oh well, and give to me that life abundantly. Hold up, here we go.
Can we thank Tim Timmons for being here with us this morning? Uh, if you need prayer for anything, we have leaders out to my left that would love to pray for you, so don't leave without doing that. And don't forget to throw a party this week or at least schedule it this week. Let me pray God's blessing over you as you go. God, as you look over your people with delight, would you compel us with your generous love to follow you boldly and invite others in to the party. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you next week. Woo-hoo! <laughs>